Today we are continuing the series, The Kingdom of God. This is part mm-hmm. 8. And I'm just going to do a brief recap. Last week we covered uh, a fifth truth about the Kingdom of God. And that was that you can only enter the Kingdom of God on God's terms. And the Bible gave, or gives clear guidance or guidelines on how to see and enter the king, Kingdom of God. And the first thing we said that you must be born again. And this is done by the work of the Holy Spirit. And this happens by faith. And I, and I define the word born, which is genano, which means to procreate, to regenerate, or bring forth. And Webster's defined it as brought to life. And I like that. We are born again by the word, which is the seed of God, which is perfect and incorruptible. And that word, or that seed, enters the, the dead spirit. It's not really dead. It's just not alive to God. Of the unbeliever. And when the unbeliever hears the word of God, which is the gospel of the kingdom, and says yes to Christ. And that yes means they believe and receive it. So you not only have to hear, but you also have to believe and receive it. Then they are, what happens? You have that experience of being born again. There's something that happens in the spirit. When that word of God does something in the in that spirit that's not alive to God, we can't explain what happens. It's it's a spiritual thing that happens, but it quickens that dead spirit and makes it alive to God. That is what we refer to as that born again experience. That person is brought to life and able to see and enter the kingdom of God. So when you when your spirit is quickened. Made alive to God, then now you have the ability to enter and see the kingdom of God. Right? Because you have a spiritual experience, and to be able to see the things of the kingdom, that you need to be able to tap into that spiritual plane. And it only happens through that experience, born again experience. And this is not something that can be done by man, it's by the grace of God through faith. Glory to God. The grace of God through faith. The second thing we talked about, you must repent and be converted. So you literally have to change your mind. That's what repentance, repent means, to change your mind. And to be, con- and be converted. And people must receive the good news of the kingdom of God as a little child. So we, I touched on that, about the innocence and, and of children. They, just, they believe what they are told by their parents. Why? Because they trust their parents. And they believe what their parents tell them is the truth. So they just take it at face value and do what, what their parents ask them to do or tell them to do. It's the same thing with us and our Heavenly Father. We hear what He says, we just have to receive it and believe it and receive it. That is it. And not doubt. It's an act of faith. To enter the kingdom, a person must be willing to surrender everything. You must be willing to surrender everything. Because God responds to people who need Him and are dependent upon Him, just like little children. Now, according to Jesus, entering His his kingdom requires repentance and obedience. And these are on God's terms. Why? Because Jesus says, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So that wasn't a suggestion. That was the way God orchestrated for people to be able to enter the kingdom of God. It can only happen through His Son, through Christ. 
And the third truth, uh, the third thing we talked about also, you must enter the straight gate or the narrow gate. And this narrow gate is exclusive because they, Jesus says, wide is the way that leads to, to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. And he said, there are few that find it. So I like to use that word narrow as exclusive. So it's like an exclusive way to get to the Father. And it's narrow because Jesus says He is the way, the truth and the life. So that is the exclusive. It's not a wide, it's not different avenues to get to God. There is only one way to get to God and that is through Christ. That narrow path, because it's so exclusive, we have to expect uh, persecution. We have to expect tribulation. We have to expect trouble because when you say that your way is exclusive, every other way is going to come against, rail against you because you're saying you are too exclusive. But that is, that is expected because Jesus already told us ahead of time that is what's going to happen. Because the Bible says in Acts 14 and 1 Peter, think it not strange when you encounter trials and tribulations. This is expected when you walk the narrow path. This is expected. So, understand that it has to be done on God's terms. There is no other way to enter the kingdom. So, that was just recap. Today, we will talk about a sixth truth about the kingdom of God. And the sixth truth is, the wicked does not have access to the kingdom of God. The wicked does not and will never have access to the kingdom of God. The Bible is also very specific about who will or will not get into God's kingdom. The Bible is very specific about that. So let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. And let me know when you're there, please. And we will start at verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 1 and read to verse 4. Okay, so let's start at verse 1. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Oh my God, that is is awesome right there. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As, verse 3, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This is Peter speaking to saints who have the righteousness of God through Christ. Because he said there, who have obtained like precious faith with us by righteousness. By the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So he's talking to the saints. And it's God's divine power, he said, God's divine power has given us all things to live a godly life through the knowledge, and that knowledge is not just any old casual knowledge. It's the word epinosis, which is the full discernment. This is not casual knowledge. This is an intimate, 
knowing of who Christ is. This knowledge has been made available to us promises so that we may be partakers of the divine nature to be like God himself. I mean, isn't that awesome? The knowledge we need is perceived or obtained through knowing Christ. And when you know him, you are beneficiary to the promises. And when you are above a beneficiary to the promises, you are actually living it. You are a partaker of the divine nature. Alright? Glory to God. So when you are a partaker of God's nature, you have escaped the corruption that is in the world, which ensnares people through lust. That means that you are walking by faith and in the love of God and no longer allow the flesh to control you, but you keep the flesh under subjection. When you are a partaker of God's nature, you have escaped the corruption that is in the world that ensnares people through their lust. Because that's what it said in verse 4. Partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the world we know system is corrupt. And how do people get caught up in it? Through their lust. Through their lust. Their own selfish desires. So it says that when you are a partaker of the divine nature, when you're, you're like God himself, you're not caught up in corruption. You are separated. That's why Jesus says we are in the world, but not of the world. Do you understand? So nothing that is corrupted can enter the kingdom of God. Nothing that's corrupted can enter the kingdom of God. And if you go to verse 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, let's turn there, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, it says, are you there? Now this I say, this is Paul speaking, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So it's saying that, and we said in Peter, that we, through the knowledge of Christ, have become what? A partaker of God's divine nature. And what happened? When we are partaker of God's divine nature, we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through the lust. And here in 1 Corinthians 15.50, Paul is saying, Brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So he's saying that if you are caught up in corruption, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Because people that are caught up in corruption are walking in their flesh. So he says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit in corruption. So if you're walking in your flesh, you're walking in corruption. So corruption cannot put on incorruption. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians. Go back a few uh, chapters. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Let's read that. Alright, so it says here, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. This is Paul again saying, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, 
no adulterers, no effeminate, no sodomites, no thieves, no covetous, no drunkards, no revelers, no extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Glory to God. We used to be like those caught up in corruption. We used to be like them. So we have to be very careful not to judge those who are caught up in corruption. We have, because we used to be like them. And we should understand the power and the attraction of sin. So we have to be careful how we live and how we speak and how we, how we, how we, we relate to people who are still caught up in corruption. That's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the, the, the earth. The only way they're going to see a new way is by our lifestyle and how we treat them. And we have to treat them with what? Compassion. We have to be forgiving. We have to be loving. Because when we were enemies to God, that's how God treated us. With compassion. And He showed us mercy. He had pity upon us until we got to the end of ourselves and we decided to say yes to Jesus. He said, that's why Paul said, as were some of you. You used to be like these people caught up in the corruption. So we were translated, when we said yes to Jesus, by faith, we were translated from corruption to incorruption. Glory to God. That's the born again experience. Amen? Amen. Amen. So he says, don't, don't, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he gave examples of what that is. Of the unrighteous. So when you think of unrighteous, think of those caught up in corruption. People who are just walking in the lust of their own flesh. Amen? Let's go to, similarly, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. Now let's start reading. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So we are talking before about people caught up in corruption. Okay? Walking in the lust of the flesh. Now in verse 19, he said, in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past. That those who practice such things. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice such things. When they say practice. They're talking about habitually doing this stuff. Habitually doing all of this stuff. The things we talked about here. In, in, in Galatians. And also in Corinthians. First Corinthians. Habitually do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And when you go back and some of these things, I had to go and look at the definition of what it is. And I'm like, oh, really? But again, we have to be very careful that we walk in humility and walk in love. Because we used to be, we may not have done most of this stuff, 
But we had some part of this that we were involved in. So these conditions are very clear. Without exception. These are the people who live according to the lust of the flesh. They will die in their sins. And it says it in Romans 8.13. Romans 8.13. Let's go there. I mean we are really going through scriptures. But I want you to, to see it. For if you live according to the flesh. You will die. I, I don't think it could be any, any plainer than that. You will die. But if by the Spirit, oh my, this is, this is really important here. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So you know what that's telling us? You can't do it on your own. You need spiritual help. He said, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. As I said, willpower could only take you so far. But you, can, you can't be on top of the game 24-7. You can't. But as you have that, the Spirit of God living in you now, you get warnings. You get promptings about the, the, thing, the thing that the flesh wants you to do. It will say, ah. He will talk, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance things that you need to be aware of. Because it says here, by the Spirit, you, you put to death the deeds of the body. So what is that saying? It's saying here that you have to choose to deny the lust of your flesh. You have to choose to deny yourself. When I read the scripture, when Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross. And follow me. That had a whole different meaning to me. Really. It just like. Because I was listening to. You know you look at social issues. And people struggling with this. And struggling with that. You know people struggling with gender. And they struggling with all this stuff. What does the Bible say? Deny yourself. Because you feel. This is how you feel. Doesn't mean it's the truth. Because your feeling is your flesh. Your flesh is telling you, this is what I want. But if you don't have truth to line up with what your flesh is telling you, you're going to give in to the flesh. But when you know the truth, that's why Jesus said the truth will set you free. Because the flesh cannot dictate to you when you know the truth. It can tell you. But when you line up with the truth. And the truth is saying no. What you're telling me is wrong. Now you by the spirit now have to deny the flesh. That's why Jesus says deny the flesh. Deny yourself. Because you, it feels good to do it. But it's telling you you have to deny. Why? Because the truth is saying no. And just Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Because that whatever it is that you're fighting, that burden, you have to carry it. But you can overcome it by the Spirit, but not in your willpower. So that's what I'm saying. Things are getting all muddled because we try to accommodate every feeling and every urge people have. But it, 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 it's just not going to work like that. There's always going to be something the flesh will be screaming about. 
But that's corruption, the corruption. So there are a lot of things that your flesh will want to do. I might want to steal a million dollars. Or I might want to steal somebody's wife. Or steal somebody's car. That's what the flesh is saying. But the word of God says, Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. So I have to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. You understand? Hey, I don't think I could break it down any more than that. So people say, no. Why do I, why do I need to deny myself? This is what I feel. I feel I, that's it. Your feelings. Your flesh is screaming for something that's not clean. Unclean. The Bible said it's unclean. So if you are in Christ, it says those who practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Because incorruption, corruption cannot inherit incorruption. It's not going to happen. So if you habitually practicing these things, habitually giving into your flesh, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's not going to happen. I don't, hear how, how, I don't care how many good things you do. There is those couple things in the closet that you're habitually doing behind closed doors where nobody knows about what you're doing or even if you're doing it out in the open you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God because you are caught up in your own sin in corruption and corruption cannot inherit in corruption cannot it's not going to happen amen so the only way out is through Christ and that is the God of the Bible's way. That's why Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. He said, I am the way. Why? I am, it's exclusive. You want to get to the Father. You want to see the kingdom. You've got to come through me. Let's go to John chapter 3. We've got to turn again. John chapter 3 verse 16. There's a lot of scriptures today. John chapter 3 verse 16 through 18. Let me know when you're there. This is a scripture we know. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Amen. Because we always quote the first two, two, two uh, verses. 16 and 17. But 18 is, is critical. But look at this. Look at this. Those who are caught up in corruption are already condemned. Because Jesus came into a corrupt world. A corrupt system. And the word of God says here. The father gave the son to the world. Why? So that those who believe will not perish. Those who believe will escape corruption. And get eternal life. That is a byproduct of your belief in Christ. So Christ came to get those who believe in him to escape corruption. 
so that they'll be like God, like Christ, like the Father, so that they can be partakers of the divine nature. Okay? The Son didn't come to condemn the world. Now if you look up what condemn means, it means what? A death sentence. Condemned means you have a sentence, a penalty you have to pay. And it says here, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. So we have to be careful not to judge people. That's why I said that. Jesus came so that those who believe can escape corruption. He didn't come to condemn the world. He didn't come to proclaim a death sentence to the world. When He comes the second time, that's a different story. He didn't come to condemn the world. But it said that the world through him might be saved. So those who are caught up in corruption can be brought out of it. But Jesus proclaimed it. When he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to what? Preach the good news of the kingdom. And what is that good news? That you can be set free from corruption. Glory to God. To set the captives free. Recovery of sight to the blind. Why? Because people are walking in spiritual darkness. You hear what I'm saying? So he said, it says here, He didn't come to condemn the world. Now watch this, verse 18. He who believes in Him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What is he saying? The Father sent the Son to set the captives free. Those who believe will not will, in, will inherit Incorruption. But if you don't, you're condemned. So Jesus came into a world where people are already condemned to death. There's a death sentence proclaimed on, on man. But if you believe in the Son of God, you'll escape that sentence because the penalty has been paid already through the Son. You, are, you don't have to pay the penalty. You are set free from that death. So he's saying, if you don't receive the gift of Christ, you're already condemned. So if there's a death sentence proclaimed, and if there's a death sentence proclaimed on you, you cannot see the kingdom. You cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because you're caught up in corruption. I don't care what people say. You might agree or disagree. God gave you his word. And we have to choose to agree or disagree. We have free will. You know, you don't have to like it, but it doesn't change the truth, what God says. Corruption will not inherit incorruption. It ain't going to happen. You can't be good enough, or bad enough, or rich enough, or even poor enough, or good enough, to inherit the kingdom of God. You can't do it. It is the truth. When you know the truth, you can be set free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's a lot in that. So everyone has to choose. And that's the beauty of God the Father. He gave man the ability to choose. He gave man the ability to choose. So understand, flesh and blood cannot, will not, inherit the kingdom of God. The wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the beauty about, about this, when we talk about 
the wicked does not have access to the kingdom. The beauty about it is God has made a way for people to get out of corruption and to be translated into the kingdom of light. But it's a choice that everyone has to make. We have made it. And the thing about it, we have now, when we meet people and talk to people, we must always, already and always have be able to answer the hope that we have in Christ. You know, because we, when people ask us, how do you know you're going to heaven? We should know that. We should know how. We should know. How do you know this? How? You should know. But sometimes you try to reason with people. But you say, listen, I could only tell you, but you have to experience it yourself. But if you can't be ignorant of God's word, you can't be ignorant. You cannot be ignorant of God's word. Because sometimes people ask you questions. And if you can't answer, answer the basic things, you sound like you're, you're stupid. You don't know. Do you, do you even know what you believe? Ignorance is dangerous. But it's good to know what you believe. The basic things are why you believe. Why you believe in Jesus? Well, why, do you need a, why do you need a Savior? You can't just do good things and live a good life. Those are basic things you've got to be able to. We need a savior. And when you, when you see when you see the majesty of God, the wisdom, it's like, oh my Lord, this is an incredible plan. My goodness, man, there's no way man could come up with something like that. It is a, a, a it's all love. It's a love that we are still trying to grasp, willing to lay down your life. Number one, you came up from eternity. You say, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God said, look, I got to come and take care of these jokers. Fix, I got to rescue these people. So he came himself in the form of his own creation. See, he already lowered himself. He humbled himself to come in the form of man, which is lower than the angels. Then he came and took on the form of a servant. He didn't come as some rich this or that. He came as a form of a servant. Not to even... The, the man Jesus didn't come to do his will. He came to do the will of the one who sent him. So he humbled himself. Then he, he got these 12 people, disciples, who he's teaching. Then he went and washed their feet. And the one he knew was going to betray him, he washed his feet. Oh God, <laughs> I'm telling you. This is the humility of God. And it's all love. He, just gives, he, he said, look, I came to do the Father's will. He said, I have the right. I have a commandment unto the Father. I can lay my, my life down and take it up. But to show that I love the Father, He did it. And the Father loved us. So He did the will of the Father because that's what the Father required so that we can be brought out of corruption.